It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in Bigger Than Ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. Hello, I'm George Cup, And I'm Callum Gurr. And you're about to listen to the podcast version of To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr. Please note that this is a podcast, so it's not a live broadcast. So please do not try to vote in any of the polls or send in messages to any of our discussions, as your message will not be registered, but you may still be charged. Also, please note that not all of the opinions expressed in this podcast are our actual opinions, but may be expressed to create a better discussion. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and don't miss our live broadcast every Sunday on Wizard Radio Station. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of To Be Discussed with Cuff and Gurr. My name is Callum Gurr, and I will be joined by my co-host and political opposite, George Cup. Hello, everyone. This evening, Callum and I will prove to you that you can have impassioned debates whilst holding vastly different opinions without falling out at the end of the night. We'll be discussing... Should Big Ben bong to signal Brexit on the 31st of January? Who is your favourite royal couple? And is it wrong that supermarkets are already stocking Easter confectionery? With each of these discussions being accompanied by polls, which you have the chance to vote on at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And these discussions will be open until the end of the song break between each topic. Uh, But first, last week, we asked for you to send your opinions over on the question, where do you see yourself in 10 years time? And the first opinion came in from Georgie. Georgie said, I would have graduated from university by then. That feels light years away. (laughs) Hopefully, I'll be starting on a good, well-paid job, hopefully as a junior doctor or a vet. I can't decide which one I would rather do. And we'll have also met someone special and be starting to settle down and start in my own family. Also, I would like to think that I would have moved out of of home by then too, but I don't really know how realistic that is, to be honest. I mean, George, what what do you make of that as kind of next stages in someone's life? 
Yeah, I, I I must admit, hearing that, Georgie, it's it's made me feel all lovely inside. I think that's such a, a lovely, um, optimistic way to look at the few, the next 10 years and have a really nice plan set out. I think sometimes people can be quite afraid to to set out these plans and to live up to them. But I, I really do think that if you work hard enough, um, which I'm sure you are, um, you will be able to reach these goals that you've set yourself. And, and it's absolutely amazing that you want to become either a junior doctor or a vet. And that, that is just incredible. It really is. And it's nice as well that you are already thinking about the 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 prospect of settling down and having a family um and and even moving out it's 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 incredible i mean we're in our 20s now and neither of us have have moved out or settled down um <laughs> but callum uh do you were you that ambitious <laughs> uh yeah yeah i think i i, I was that ambitious certainly i mean um obviously we don't know exactly how old georgie is but i'm guessing she's in school still um so i i think in school i i was that ambitious and i suppose realistically i i, I still am in terms of oh, well, I, I don't have any ambitions to be a junior doctor or a vet obviously but <laughs> um i think if we consider what when was i last in school uh five years ago six years ago five years ago we'll say uh, i've still got another five years to achieve some of the other things obviously i suppose the equivalent would be kind of getting into a the career that you want to do hopefully i'm on the right track in terms of that and in terms of you know meeting someone so special and, and settling down um I'm not, I'm not entirely sure that's something i absolutely want to do right now but there's still obviously time if if it was a major kind of ambition um that i have i mean george how on track do you think you are in, in terms of achieving similar things to what georgie wants to achieve oh it's a very big question Callum. um i, <laughs> I it's it's hard because I, I think if i if i look at where i was um when i was back at school i i didn't have any ambitions to really do what i'm doing right now um but i i suppose i can tick that i'm potentially hopefully moving out soon potentially getting on to, with my future career and stuff so yeah i think in terms of being ambitious when i was younger i i think i've been able to be quite um successful in in achieving some of those ambitions Good. um right so our next opinion comes from ricky and they say no doubt in 10 years time i'll still be here talking about brexit i would actually really like to have a successful radio show or podcast in the next 10 years because i really enjoy talking to people about what they think about politics and the news and i listen to to be discussed every week thank you ricky uh, when i eventually have a career i would like to be a policeman so hopefully i'll be training for that or just be finishing my training to be a policeman i think it's such an interesting job and also always it will always be needed. So it's relatively economically proof. Callum, do you uh, do you agree with uh, with uh, Ricky's choices here? Do you th do you think having a uh, podcast or a radio show is is fun? Yeah, I absolutely think it's fun. Of course, I mean, I'd be sacked <laughs> on the spot if I said it wasn't, wouldn't I? Um, but it, it did strike me that that sounds so much like you, George. If you, if you'd have been filling this out. Um, you know, five, five or six years ago, probably, you'd have been saying probably something quite similar. Um, certainly in terms of uh, wanting to be a, a policeman. Um, obviously, that was your ambition as well. So I suppose there's um, 
there, there's a real kind of parallel there, uh, which I find really interesting. But obviously, um, as Ricky says, um, I think getting into the police force is a, is a really good thing to do. Um, obviously, you know, they're great public servants and also they're, they are relatively um, um, economy proof, as, as he says, and, and you, it, it won't really ever get to a stage where we don't need the police force. Um, so it's a, it's a really good, I think, ambition to have. I mean, obviously, George, you've walked these um, steps a little bit. Um, what what more kind of um, light can you shed uh, on this to Ricky? Well, uh, let's start off with the policing aspect. I would definitely say um, by the time you, you really want to get into the police, uh, they will be expecting everyone to have degrees um, to get into the police, Ricky. So definitely look down the degree path of, of by training up into the police. I, I've got a degree in policing. Um, and it definitely helps you with the understanding and, and the academic side of, of the law and everything like that. Um, and then also with the, the podcast and radio show side, I honestly, if, if that's something you're really passionate about and getting a message out there about politics and talking to people, then start contacting radio stations and local radio stations and, and student radio stations, because you never know, they might be looking for someone to, to help them um, either get in touch with the more younger side of, of their list or just someone that is interested in politics and that is younger. Um, I mean, that is kind of how um, back in the day um, Teenscope started for, for Callum and I when, when we became presenters of that. Um, so don't be afraid to, to get in contact with radio stations to see if you can help them in any way um, and you never know where that will lead. Yeah, yeah. You, you never know until you ask, really. And that's always what kind of my mum and dad have taught me and I think that's you... always a, a good thing. You have nothing to lose. That's always a good saying to go by. Yeah, exactly. Uh, moving on to our next opinion, it's from Izzy. Izzy uh, lives in the USA, actually. And she said, I'm not sure where I'll be in two years, so it's hard for me to predict where life could take me in 10 years. But I'm hoping to move from the East Coast to the West Coast because I'm just obsessed with California and the beach. One of the most important things would be my job. I'm in high school now, but in 10 years, I'll have been working for about three years. That would be great. I don't really know what I want to do, but maybe something in entertainment or conservation. I think that job is going to be really important in the next 10 years. I mean, obviously, George, you kind of had vague ambitions well back in the day to go into something to do with conservation as well, didn't you? <laughs> I did. <laughs> this is just just uh, showing how many uh, different careers I wanted when I was younger. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, and I know you too well. That's the trouble, George. <laughs> um, but I, I think I think it's really interesting. Um, and uh, and Izzy's so right that I think there's going to be so many different careers and 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 career prospects within the. Um, the environmental side of, of things because obviously everyone's attention is, is going towards the environment and how we can stop climate change and I think because of that whether it's scientific research or, or going out there in a zoological way um, I really think that that kind of job market is going to grow and grow and grow as years to come I mean it's a, it's a really really important thing to do but one point I think Izzy has has made um, really well and I'm I don't know whether you feel the same Callum but do you do you feel sometimes it is hard to really plan ahead when we were talking about 10 years time when do you think it's easier just to plan your future in steps or or do you think it is a good idea to plan really far and ahead like we've asked um, our audience 
um, I think it's good to have an underlying ambition, but um, maybe trying to resolutely plan what you're going to do for the next 10 years is really, really difficult, especially at our age, given that, you know, the job market maybe is not particularly good. Um, and, you know, we're, we're very prone to changing our mind, I think, as as younger people. Um, so, I mean, because if you'd have asked me what I wanted to do um, when I was kind of in, say, school, um, I'm not even sure I had a clue what I wanted to do. And I think that really emphasizes um, Izzy's point. Um, so, so I think, yeah, you're right, George, that you can't really plan for, for you know, 10 years down the road. Um, but it's always good, I think, to just have an ambition of, of where you want to go, as it were. Is that how you feel? Yeah, yeah, I, I really, really do. And um, I, I think it's, it's, it's so um, sometimes easy to, to, to set out a such a, a, I don't know, a dream future um and and to to maybe sometimes not live up to that that future and i and i th- i i personally take life in, in in small steps where i i will try and yeah have a end vague goal but ultimately i i want to be able to plan what i'm doing today or tomorrow or next week um because i just forget things yeah and i think one final thing i say is as well is to not just do it based on what other people are doing and what therefore you think you should be doing based upon other people be be your own person as such and just because they're you know settled down in the job like straight after school doesn't mean you have to go and do that as well right then uh remember we'll be announcing what the question will be for you to send in your opinions on at the end of tonight's show so make sure you're ready for that for the chance to be featured in this segment of next week's show Uh, but we've reached time for our first song break so we'll be back very soon Hello and welcome back. So let's move on to our second discussion of this evening. And we're asking the question, should Big Ben bong to signal Brexit on the 31st of January? So those who wish to celebrate Britain leaving the EU hope to do so in the same manner as New Year's Eve, by looking up at a clock and hearing the bongs of Big Ben. However, because it's currently undergoing refurbishment, in order for it to bong, a special measure... Uh, special measures would have to be put in place, which could cost up to five hundred thousand pounds. So far, so far, nearly one hundred and sixty thousand pounds has been raised through public efforts um, to make sure the iconic sound of Big Ben is heard on Brexit Day. But Callum, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think we should mark this historic moment by allowing Big Ben to bong? I think it's. Um difficult because my first reaction was no we absolutely shouldn't you know there's a better (laughs) use of public funds Uh, and I I, to a certain extent I do still stand by that Um, you know I think the arguments against doing this are are fairly strong but I also think that like it or loathe it um, we are entering a new era as a country now um, and, and a kind of new beginning and I think we should, um, to a certain extent, celebrate that or at least mark that. Um, and and I think on that basis, we should be looking to have big 
big Ben bong. Um, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> it's hard to say, isn't it? <laughs> it's terribly hard to say. Um, but um, so I think, yeah, we, we should be looking to to have the bells ring. I'm going to say the bells ring on, uh, <laughs> on Big Ben um, because I just think it would at least, you know, mark this as it, it's a, a a new dawn has broken, has it not, as a Tony Blair would say. Uh, <laughs> what do you think, George? Um, I am on the, the kind of same page as Duke Callum in the terms that it's it's hard for, for me personally I, to justify it being bonged when it's it could cost um, taxpayers £500,000. However, I feel differently about it if publicly fund it can be publicly funded through donations um and they do reach a uh, enough of a of amount to allow it to bong i think definitely then there there is no real excuse for it not to happen um yeah. i i understand the parameters around why there there are or it could cost this amount of money is because um, it, we would need to have make sure that there are um, certain things in place from the, the maintenance that is going on. Um, they would have to replace stuff to ensure that the the hammer can hit the 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 bell or, or whatever. Um, and and I think because of that, I mean, people are saying, oh yeah, but you do it on New Year's and stuff. But they are planned events, and and the mechanics that are working on Big Ben are able to. Um, prepare for that and um, unfortunately because this is this idea has only really just come about in terms of being quite realistic they only have what two weeks left if that to ensure that um big ben is ready to bong um so i understand that how hard the parameters might be for this to go ahead but as you rightly say callum this is a incredibly historic moment within um the United Kingdom's history and we I believe should be celebrating this moment because whether you like it or not the mandate that was given to Parliament by the public is finally being put through and it is finally happening and we should be celebrating that as a nation I, I think this is time for unity this is time for us to start a new century on a new page and to develop within the whole world um, as a global nation. And, and I think what better way to have a significant bell bong? <laughs> I mean, I guess the, the counter argument to what you and I have said, George, is other than obviously the, the cost would be that obviously the Brexit vote was highly divisive. Um, and, you know, 48% of the country didn't actually want Brexit. Um, that's 16 million people. Um, and the polls suggest really that, that the country hasn't really changed its mind that much, despite the fact, obviously, the Conservatives did get a majority, but um, obviously under a very different voting system to what a, a referendum has in effect. Um, I mean, what's your defence to that in terms of the division that maybe bonging Big Ben <laughs> uh, could cause? <laughs> well or facilitate I, sorry i i don't unfortunately um the division is already there and and i don't think by bonging a bell will actually sorry will actually um make any real difference in w whether that division increases or not um as i often say if i ever go and do talks about brexit and i get people moaning at me about oh i voted remain and it's just causing division i i say 
look, this this is you lost. It doesn't mean that you then just ha- you can't get on with life. You can still be have a prospect and still be optimistic about this country. You know, the, a decision has been taken for us to leave the EU, and if Remainers just sit there and 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 don't. Um, accept what has what is going on, then they won't be able to help this country develop further outside of the EU. I know it might not be what they want, but we need everyone together in in this society to ensure that this country is a success outside of the EU. Um, and we can't allow those divisions to carry on. Um, and I feel like possibly if Big Ben did bong, then um, it would be a chance to say, look, we are now in a area where we are moving out we can stop this name calling of brexiteers and remainers we are people we are british people that want the best for our country and i think that's where we should draw the line we should stop labeling each other on which side of of which argument we are on um and i believe that big ben going off could be a a good good time to start that relationship up again yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that there is an, a credence to that argument as such, because I, I think um, this could, this bonging of Big Ben could be a kind of really cathartic moment in terms of signifying signifying the fact that we, we've almost cleansed ourselves of, of this Brexit debate um, and, and that that is over. I mean, as... Um, in, in R- Ricky's opinion, in the earlier segment, he said about oh, probably in 10 years time, I'll still be talking about Brexit. Um, well, hopefully, actually, we've reached a point now where actually that won't be the case. Um, other than we might talk about whether or not it was overall net good for this country or or net bad. But effectively, the actual substance of the debate in terms of being able to change anything is over now. Um, and, and so I think there's a real argument to be made that um, by bringing Big Ben, Big ben and other kind of um, big um, cultural destinations and churches, um, we really signal that and we signal that this is a, a change for our country um, and that, that we're getting past those really divisive um, times that we've we've lived through because it has been incredibly divisive, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And do you, do you think now this this is going to be quite a a uh, controversial question? I I do believe, but do you believe that possibly the thirty first of January should become a bank holiday to um, make Brexit Day, I suppose, as it is, um, that little bit more significant, and so it lasts throughout history. Uh, let's not go too far. I don't think, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> look, I, I think. It, at this point in time, I don't think we can say that it's it's got enough significance to be granted its own bank holiday. Um, I think there's far more of an argument to be made that um, St George's Day should be a bank holiday, yeah. um, similar to how St David's Day is in Wales and St Andrew's Day is in Scotland. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think there's a much more of an argument to be made that a day that already should have significance although i'd argue that it probably doesn't have as much significance as it should do that should be made a bank holiday rather than um this brexit date because also we've had multiple dates when brexit (laughs) was meant to happen ultimately um i mean what do you think george are you you supportive of um making the 31st of january a bank holiday Uh, i i'm i'm a little bit um 
uh, cautious when when it goes to giving loads of bank holidays out. I'm, I'm I think that we have quite a few as it is, and I, and I think we shouldn't just be giving them to, to possibly days that because this isn't technically uh, um, us having a completely out of the EU, but there is still the um, oh, I can't remember what it's called transition period to go through, um, and we still got that to go through, and then after that we will like really really be left and gone um so maybe that date will be the one that i propose for a bank holiday but callum let's let's just have a quick scenario before we uh, end this question let's say you were elected as a new um lib dem mp for for somewhere um in the last general election i know the lib dem's actually gaining a seat shock horror um <laughs> and and you you were in parliament and the amendment for should big ben bong on the 31st of january came up and you weren't whipped at all to to vote in any certain way would you abstain or would you vote or would you go through the no lobby or would you go through the yes lobby with your conservative colleague? As in, sorry, I just um, missed a little bit. Of it. So to would I basically vote for an amendment to make Big Ben bong? Yes. Uh, I mean, it's very easy to say when you're not an MP and under the pressure of, obviously, it would probably significantly damage any Lib Dem's career, really, to probably vote for it. Yes. Um, but I, I, I would say now I think it's, as long as the cost isn't too extortionate, uh, I think there's a massive argument to be made that it should. So, yeah, I'd vote for it on that basis, I think. Wow. There we go. Callum Gurr, Member of Parliament's maiden speech right there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and how do you think this poll is going to go, Callum? Um, I think it's going to be quite um, kind of 50-50, obviously not exactly. I'm going to say... 55% say that, yes, it should bong. What about you? Well, I, I'm going to go for the good old um, EU referendum result and say 52% say, yes, it should, and 48% say, no, it shouldn't. <laughs> that would be <laughs> right. spooky. <laughs> I know, it would, wouldn't it? Right, OK, so um, it is now time for our second song break of this evening. But remember to vote on this question. Should Big Ben bong to signal Brexit on the 31st of January? And you could do that at uk forward slash listen. And we'll be back after this song break. Welcome back. So before that break, we asked the question, should Big Bang Bong to signal Brexit on the 31st of January? And you guys have been voting away and the results have just come in. So 33% of you said, yes, Big Ben should bong. And 67% of you said, no, Big Ben shouldn't bong. Well, Callum, are you uh, surprised at all by those results? Yeah, I'm, I, I am quite surprised, actually. Um, as I said, I thought that there would be kind of a narrow vote either way, but I certainly thought yes would come out on top. Um, so obviously I'm massively surprised by not just the fact that no's come out on top, but that's quite a margin really um, to come out on top by. I mean, are you surprised? I presume you are as well, George. I am very surprised. Um, well, it, it, yeah, it's sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess people are obviously put off um, by the cost of it and also as i said i mean brexit has been divisive really from start to finish yeah. um or at least finish at this stage i suppose you could say <laughs> right then moving on to our next discussion of this evening and we are asking the question who is your favorite royal couple 
So a no, new long-term arrangement has been reached regarding the future of Prince Harry and his wife, Meghan Markle, after the pair had expressed a desire to step back from royal duties and gain more financial independence. The new arrangement sees the Duke and Duchess of Sussex drop the HRH from the end of their names, no longer receive public funds to carry out royal duties, and repay the £2.4 million of taxpayer money that the pair spent refurbishing their UK home of Frogmore Cottage. The move by the royals has split the nation, with many arguing it shows disrespect to the Queen, whereas others say it is inevitable after the couple endured racist and intrusive media coverage. But how has this whole episode affected the popularity of the couple? Up until about a year ago, there was speculation that Meghan Markle herself is more popular than Kate Middleton. But is that so? George, who is your favourite royal couple out of the following? So we've got Prince Harry and Meghan, Prince William and Kate, the Queen and Prince Philip, and <laughs> Prince Charles and Camilla. And so, George, which of those is your uh, favourite, as it were? Before, before I answer your question, Callum, I just want to quickly highlight something that um, our lovely listeners won't be able to see. That On our scripts, uh, Callum and I share a script so we can see what each other is saying and everything. And Callum's capitalised the fact that um, Frogmore Cottage cost £2.4 million of taxpayers' money. Can I, <laughs> that, can that, I that, just that, say um, why I've done that? Right. Um, it's because actually, it, it's actually a. It wasn't me being like, oh my god, people, <laughs> four million pounds. No, it's because um, at uni they teach you that if you're going to put something on like a teleprompter type thing, if it's a number, you should capitalise it just so that they can really clearly see what what it is. So it was just to help me in reading it back and make mm. sure I got the currency right and how much it was and stuff like that. It wasn't actually me eternally screaming about it <laughs> i i'm sure a little bit actually was uh, maybe a little bit just a, a teeny tiny bit <laughs> um right let's get back to the question um who is my favorite uh couple of the royals well i i think it's going to be no surprise when i sit here and say that my favorite couple has to be the one and only the queen and that's not the band um and prince philip <laughs> The, the, to me, the Queen especially has been the role model that has seen this country through a lot of things and has been able to, um, I don't know, being the figurehead that has really made uh, patriotism still be alive today and made us be proud to, to, to be to uh of where we come from and and i think as well prince philip has supported the queen throughout her time um and they are a lovely couple and it's incredible that even to the age that they are um prince philip stepped down recently but the queen is still engaging within royal duties um and she is incredible she absolutely is incredible and i and i don't think that anybody couldn't really compliment her for the achievements and and the um the abilities that she brings to the, to the role of queen. Um, the next couple I would pick is probably Prince William and Kate. I think they are both going to bring a new dynamic to um, the monarch, the monarchy. And, and, and I think they will be a fresh style as well. Uh, I really do. And, and I, I respect the way that they've, they've been open to the public. Um, they are just seem like one of those really lovely, happy families. Um, and, and I would definitely put those in second place. Off. But Callum, 
enough about me. Uh, who would you pick as your favourite couple? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's quite difficult, actually. I think I think this is a, a really interesting discussion to have, actually. Um, because uh, I do have a, a certain level of respect for what Prince Harry and Meghan have done. Um, I think it actually takes a lot of courage to, within royal circles especially, um, come out and um, say what they've done and, and kind of break with a lot of tradition with with, with what they've done, um, not just in terms of what's happened this week, but in that they're taking a lot of the newspapers that have um, done the particularly intrusive coverage um, and they're taking them to task and they're taking them to, to the courts. Um, and, you know, I think you, you have to take your hats off to them in a, in a sense um, for doing that, because I bet they would have taken a lot of stick from within royal circles to do that. Um, but then I do also actually like Prince William because he's an Aston Villa fan. <laughs> um, so I've always quite liked Prince William on, on that basis. Um, and I did actually write once to Prince William back when I was a, a monarchist to my shame, uh, or a royalist, I should say, to my shame. Um, back, this was when I was much younger. And um, he did actually, well, obviously he didn't personally write back. I'm not that famous, unfortunately, yet. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but he sent me, uh, but it was quite bizarre what he sent me. It was before he'd obviously married Kate or anything like that. So he was still relatively a minor player, I suppose, within um, the royal family. But he sent me a pack about Prince Charles, about the, the, the Duke of Edinburgh, um, oh. which, I, you know, I, I found really, really strange the fact that he'd done that. Um, but I, I, I think, <laughs> and I've got a really interesting question for you, I think now, George, because obviously if we'd have done this probably a year ago, mm. if we'd have said, who's your least favourite out of these, you probably would have definitely said Prince Charles and Camilla. But obviously with the events that have happened with Prince Harry and Meghan this week, I'm, I'm interested to know, has that changed? Are they now the kind of real, real enemy, as it were, within royalist circles? Um, oh, that's a really difficult question, Callum. I do try. Uh, I, I totally respect uh, Prince Harry and Meghan for the decisions that they have taken, and I and I think that they are absolutely within their right to to live their own life and to step down from royal duties, um, and to step away from the pressures of the royal family and to actually live their own life and pay their own way. I would I would have a problem with it if they were still expecting to receive um, people's money through taxes, but they're not. They are going to pay their own way and ensure that they have a they pay for their own life. And I, and I totally do not have a problem with that. The thing I had a problem with is the way they disrespected the Queen and not only just the Queen, but their own grandmother. Um, and for me, I find that hard, not only because she's the Queen, but because I couldn't see myself disrespecting um, my own grandmother like that. I would find it hard to do that. But obviously, we only know a certain amount of the, the situation. So I, I personally think, even though there are there are complications around Prince Harry and Meghan, um, I still would say that my least favourite is probably Charles and, and Camilla, because ultimately the, the history of Charles and Camilla still topples um the things that harry and megan have done i mean they haven't really done anything but um yeah i i would still put charles camilla down of the bottom of the list what 
Which would you say, Callum? I, I mean, are Charles Camilla your least favourite? I think so, but I always have a certain um, amount of sympathy, I think, for Prince Charles because, uh, I mean, obviously everything that happened with um, Diana, maybe the, the, there's obviously big question marks over him, mm. but um, I do think he did have quite a troubled childhood, really. Oh yeah. Um, I yeah. mean, if you if you watch The Crown, I mean, obviously <laughs> it's not a great way to assess what someone's life is like, but it certainly gives an indication of the fact that um, uh, the Queen and Prince Philip weren't perfect parents by any kind of measure. Mm. Um, who do you think is going to come out on top on this one, though, George? Who, who's going to be, um, to be discussed, listeners' favourite royal couple? Oh, I. Uh, I'm going to say that it will be um, the Queen and Prince Philip. How about you, Callum? Yeah, I, I, I think it'll be the Queen and Prince Philip. But I think Prince Harry and Meghan will come um, quite close with that on second. Oh. Which I'll see. Uh, right then, uh, it's time for you guys to vote on this poll. So that question is, who is your favourite royal couple out of the following? Prince Harry and Meghan, Prince William and Kate the Queen and Prince Philip, or Prince Charles and Camilla. And you can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen, and we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back. So before the break, we ask the question, who is your favourite royal couple out of the following um, and you guys have been voting away. So up top came Prince Harry and Meghan with 41%. Uh, the Queen and Prince Philip came next with 33%. Prince William and Kate got 20%. And then Prince Charles and Camilla done actually much better than I ever expected them to do. Uh, they got 6% uh, in that poll result. I mean, George, I mean, firstly, obviously, we were very wrong about who was um, um, people's favourite royal couple. But also, who are the six percent who are voting for Prince Charles and Camilla? I really want to know. It's it's it's, uh, it's Prince Charles. He keeps refreshing the page. <laughs> oh, top lad, top man. <laughs> He's our top listener of uh, to be discussed. <laughs> he do I mean I I can't believe that the the Queen came in second. I'm I'm rather offended. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, I think there is. Um, a bit of a generational divide in terms of this though i think younger people are more inclined to be sympathetic to prince harry and Meghan than what maybe more older generations are so maybe that explains it well that is very very true um right okay let's move on to our fourth discussion of this evening and we're asking the question is it wrong that supermarkets are already stocking easter confectionery we are really starting to see the shops are filling up with Easter eggs and Easter themed items. We have only just put away our Christmas decorations and eaten up our Christmas chocolate and treats. So is it right that we are already having Easter confectionery forced in our faces? Callum, what do you think? Um, I, I think in, in a certain sense, it's obviously kind of negative, you might say. Uh, because as you say, we've literally only just stopped celebrating Christmas and some people might have only just taken down their Christmas decorations, although that would have been rather late in all fairness. Um, but to then suddenly be like, oh, what's the next holiday? Oh, it's 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 Easter. Mm. Um, 
it may may seem slightly wrong, but I, I'd I'd argue, um, and not to get too kind of ideological about this, but I think um, you know, the the market dictates that, and the fact is, people want to buy Easter confectionery now, um, and you know, it's it doesn't really do any harm to anyone, um, for for people to be doing that, um, so so I guess in, in that sense, I, I don't think it's wrong as such um you know it maybe shows that we're quite a commercial society nowadays um although we have been for a very long time as well um but you know i don't think it's the it's the worst thing in the world and at the end of the day um it's kind of pumping money into the economy as well making people buy easter eggs and and stuff like that i mean what do you think george do you think it's it's wrong um I, I think it's wrong in terms of the the shelf life of some of the products. I, I did a little trip today to the shops okay. um, to do a little bit of market research. And um, I was looking at... <laughs> Is that what you call it, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Scoffing those mini <laughs> I see, I see. Market research. Love oh, it. yeah. Tasty market research. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, shut up, Callum. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I... <clears throat> excuse me. So, yeah, so I was I was looking at some of the dates on the back of these Easter eggs and some of the chocolates and some of them go out of date before Easter even happens. Um, and I and I just sit there and I sit back and I think to myself in a world in a society where we're trying to be better at, at controlling our carbon footprint. Um, why are we allowing ourselves to, to put stuff on the shelves that are going to go out of date before the, the time when we're supposed to give those gifts. I, I mean, I personally think the majority of people will buy Easter eggs and not give them until Easter when you are supposed to give them. Um, so what is the point of having an Easter egg now that is out that will go out of date by the time you give it to someone, unless you hate that person that you are giving it to? <laughs> um, so, so to me, I, I just find it hard. I think I don't have a problem with having the decorations out for for Easter or whatever already for sale, but it's the things that will go out of date. There is no need, and you know, if we're trying to create a better future in terms of climate change, then we need to stop wasting food products and productions like that. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, actually, George. I hadn't considered that the shelf life would be um <laughs> would would expire before. <laughs> Uh, Easter. Um, I mean, incidentally, George, because um, I don't know when actually is Easter. Just, just so we we can know this if if you've got um, the date. I don't. I don't know actually, Callum. Okay, let me let me find out. It's on the twelfth of April, Easter. So oh, that's quite a short shelf life, really, as well for for um chocolatey products. Well, I thought they had a really long shelf life it was it was that it was the more um expensive chocolate that was that was um oh, of less, course you're a yeah. tory george i forget don't i sometimes <laughs> well look i was eating all this chocolate to help the planet because i thought you know i don't want this to go to waste so i'll just eat it all um yeah, and, and you now, are a true hero yeah and now my <laughs> local shops are out of easter eggs so, <laughs> saving yeah. the planet george yeah. one easter egg at a time just call me jesus cup <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> right. And on that note, it is now time for our final song break of this evening. And don't forget to vote on this question. Is it wrong that supermarkets are already stocking Easter confectionery? And you can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash system. And we'll be back very soon. <laughs>
Hello and welcome back. So for that break, we asked the question, is it wrong that supermarkets are already stocking Easter confectionery? And the results have just come in. So 56% of you said yes, it is wrong. And 44% of you have said no, it's not wrong. So Callum, what, what, what do you think? Are those 56% going into the shops and eating all the Easter eggs to make sure there's no waste? <laughs> I hope, I really hope they're doing that public service, George. I mean, it's <laughs> for the environment day it is. they're doing it. So, you know, go go out and get those mini eggs and those, I don't know what else they sell. I'm, I'm hoping to get a, a medal for all my public service. Yeah, yeah. I, I really think um, you, you deserve one, George. I, I really, really do. Thanks. Can it be made of chocolate? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose, but you won't have it very long, will you? <laughs> True. <laughs> I'll just have a bit of ribbon. Yeah. <laughs> Tasty dog. Of course. <laughs> right. Okay. So, uh, thanks for listening to To Be Discussed with Kupunga. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode. So, as mentioned earlier, for the first segment of next week's show, we'd like you to send in your opinion on the question Is social media overall negative to society? Uh, you can send those opinions by email to station at wizardradio.co.uk or through Twitter, that's at wizradio. So remember that question is, is social media overall negative to society? And we're looking forward to hearing those next week. But it's now time for George and I to say ciao for now. So I've been Callum Gert. And I've been the chocolate-loving George Cup. So uh, thanks very much for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week at the same time and the same place for another episode of To Be Discussed. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.